0: Welcome to another episode of the Beyond Knowing podcast, where I am talking to inspiring personalities about topics around the vastness of consciousness, death, and the realms beyond knowing and understanding with the mind. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and it moves something within you, please leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening from and hit the subscribe button. In this episode, I am talking to Dr. Joshua Black about grief dreams. When my sister died last year, I started having very vivid dreams about her. I was dreaming all sorts of scenarios where she was alive again, where my family and friends, we all knew that if we don't do anything in the dream, she is going to die. So it was basically a desperate attempt to save her and keep her on this physical plane or trying to keep her here on earth with us. And having her with me in my dream felt good. But it also confused me a lot. It didn't feel nice once I woke up. I felt that there is a lot that my subconscious is trying to process, that there is things that I probably need to pay more attention in my waking life. So I started to Google and wanted to read more into having dreams after loss. And I stumbled upon the work of Dr. Joshua Black, who brought some light into my own process and the topic of grief dreams in general. His own journey and the loss of his father brought him to his work around researching grief and grief dreams. What he does offers so much value and information to people um, experiencing dreams of their deceased ones and helps in understanding our process of loss. Dr. Joshua Black is one of the world's leading academic experts in grief dreams and he's sharing his work, his experience and knowledge through his studies online courses, one-on-one consultations, and through his Grief Dreams podcast, where he talks to different people about their experiences with grief dreams. I feel very fortunate I got to talk to him, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy. So welcome, Dr. Joshua Black. Thank you for taking the time today and talk with me about grief dreams.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I always love talking about the subject and, you know, raising awareness on something most people just don't know much about academically anyways.
0: Can you start um, with sharing about your person, like your personal path and your experience with grief dreams and how all of that brought you to where you are today?
1: So I'll start a little bit about just, I guess, you know, just what happened. So for me, um, My work with grief dreams or for a lot of people, it's those dreams we, we have after a death of someone. And many of those dreams can have the deceased present within the imagery. And so for me, my love of the topic really began after my father died. And for me, it was the first time I experienced grief in any real way. It was the first significant loss in my life. And I was completely devastated. And for, for me at that time, I was a really good male in the society. And so I, I never cried at all, you know, <laughs> I don't know when the last time I, I did was, but when my dad died and I got the news, I just started crying and it was the most uncomfortable feeling I had in a long time. because so I wanted it to stop, but it just kept coming. And I had a hard time juggling those emotions. And so for me, grief was very difficult for the first three days. And and why I say that is because after that, after the funeral and everything, I went back to school. And what happened was I was an undergrad at that time. And so what happened was when I went back to school, all my grief went away, but also all the color of life went away. And so I was living in this like kind of weird, it's like everything was like joyless and colorless but, like, I was doing well. Like, people looked at me, they would say, Oh, you're doing good. You're going to work, you're getting good grades still. But inside, something had changed. And I didn't know. I just thought, This is what happens after a loss. And so it was about three months. I was just of that. And someone would say, Maybe it's probably, it could be classified as even depression, right? Because you have no highs or no lows. You're just like in this plateau kind of state. And then I had this dream of my father and it completely changed my grief. And at that time, I wasn't asking for one. People weren't sharing these dreams with me. So it was just, it came really out of the blue. And the dream was, I was basically in my room and I could see my dad at the other end and he looked healthier than he's ever looked before. He had a lot of issues in waking life with alcohol and poor emotional regulation. He had just bad coping skills and some trauma and so you mix all that he 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 walked around very heavy in life is the best way to put it but in the imagery he was very light and and like at peace with just with life which is for me it wasn't a memory at all I don't know if he's ever been like that so I had I saw that and he was looking through some of my stuff in my room at that time because at the time I had a lot of clutter, and then I got it from him. Like, he used to pick stuff up at the side of the road and bring it in the house, and so like <laughs> the house was just filled with all this junk, more or less. Um, and so I kind of picked that up. I had like, a lot of knickknacks. So anyways, he was looking through some of the stuff as if he, like, he was interested in you know like, what I collected <laughs> kind of thing. Anyway, so I walked up to him, in, and I said, I'm going to miss you, acknowledging the loss. And then I told him I loved him, and we hugged. And when I woke up, everything changed. And it it still is one of the most mysterious experiences I've ever had in my life. Because when I woke up, something inside me changed. It wasn't like I interpreted the dream and it changed me. The dream itself changed me. And I could feel joy again. And it's like I was able to regulate my emotions again after I thought it was just gone. Like I didn't, I wasn't seeking help because I just thought this is just how it is. But then that changed everything. And for me, I don't, when I, you know, like doing the research and stuff, I can look back and, and see different things through that uh, imagery of what it maybe was doing, but it unblocked something that was blocked and it changed completely changed me. And that's where the story really begins to, for me to appreciate the topic, but I never told anyone about my dream experience. I really kept it close. And I, I don't know why it's just something that, I think no one asked. And that's probably why I didn't tell anyone.
0: At this point in time, did you know that something like grief dreams exist? I wonder how it was back then. Since nowadays, it still is a topic that is not so much talked about, right?
1: No, it's not. And so for me, I wouldn't... If you would have asked me if these dreams exist, I would say, if anyone ever told me about them, I would say no. But now I come to know since just like being a part of the topic and doing research that they're everywhere in popular culture they're in all like my old movies that i loved, like braveheart um like there's three dreams of the deceased in there i'm like how did i not consciously know this like it's they're so pinnacle for the plot of the story but yet if someone asked me like tell me a synopsis of braveheart i never would put those dreams in place in there and so i think they've always been around in a lot of movies and a lot of songs like they're really everywhere but when you're just not aware of something you don't see it but the moment you're aware of it you start seeing it everywhere and i think that's really what what happens here and so um when i i didn't really want to research the topic that wasn't my goal my goal was always to be an elementary school teacher and so when i went and i applied so i finished my undergrad and i went to apply to become a a teacher and I, i got in and i was having the interview and they're just, I turned it down. Like there was something in me that was saying, this isn't the right path anymore. And for me, I could have just went for it anyways, because it's always been a goal of my dad's to do it. And I could have done it in his honor kind of thing, just push forward. But there's something deep inside me. It was just really weird to understand, but it was almost like some people say an intuition or something that there's something else out there. So I turned it down but I didn't know what that other thing was. And so that was very scary for me because I spent my whole life trying to be an elementary school teacher and then the moment you get in you're like no this isn't the right path anymore. And so I had a about 2 years off after I graduated where I was trying to find meaning. Like what could I do with a psychology undergrad degree and you couldn't really do much. <laughs> and so I'm like how else can I fulfill meaning in my life? So I volunteered at a hospice to help support the bereaved and that's where I actually started understanding the value of this topic even more so in the questions people had because I've never talked about it with anyone like I had the dream but 2 years down the road I still haven't mentioned it to anyone no one's talked about it with me but when I went to the, these bereavement support stuff like people were asking questions about these dreams and a lot of questions I didn't even have an answer to like why am I having these dreams or are they common you know, why I'm having negative dreams? What does it mean if I don't have dreams? And like and so people would complicate their their grief because of the questions they had. And they always tend to put a negative reason on the whys. And so I went to the academic literature to see if I could help them with some type of understanding. And when I went there, that's when I realized there wasn't really anything to give them to answer their questions. And so at that moment, that's when I had a a pause and I said, like, if no one's done this yet, you know, could I? could I do this work? Could I be a researcher? It's not something I ever wanted to do. And it, and it really scared me a lot to even think about that because it'd be such a learning curve. I know it would be very difficult because that's not what I was wanting to do, right? Like so people who want to be, to do the master's or even PhD, they know that usually in the beginning and they really work on the stats and they really work on the research methodology. And for me, it's like, I would have to really begin and really like understand a topic that I, I didn't have full understanding of that time. But as, you know, with someone who's searching for meaning, I just said, you know what, I'll try, you know, like the, the worst I can do is I fail. And, you know, and then I've, at least I can say I've tried. And lo and behold, I actually, like, I made it through the master's and I also got in the PhD and I did that with a growth in psychology and I got through and I did really well. It was, it was challenging at, at a lot of different parts, but within those programs, that's where I truly learned the vastness of this topic. Because before it was just some people asking questions and I had my own. But then once I got in there and started talking, doing the research, that's when this world really opened up. And I started seeing uh, the, the many different levels of this that a lot of people just don't know. And that's why I'm I'm so happy now to be finished and have so much research out there to help all those people who had questions, but also to raise awareness on a topic that people in the field are never are not trained on. So if anyone who took counseling or psychology or thanatology or, or, or helping the brief, or got trained as a volunteer, no one's have heard about this. They don't know how to talk about it. And so that's why I love you know being in this position now, because I'm really trying to educate people that it's okay to ask the questions, and how do we provide a safe space when we do, and to give you some information on maybe what to say. And that's what the research I really did. It had, it's very applicable applicable to real-life people and the questions they had. So most questions are very similar that people do have after loss when it comes to this. So yeah, that's basically the journey there. And it's like, now I'm done raising awareness, but th- that's how it really progressed. And I look back, I'm like, if my dad would have died any later, I never would have took this path. I would have been an elementary school teacher. And that's what's a crazy so much about timings of different things is, you know, you, you look back and you're like, wow, like that was just a perfect time for this topic to start being talked about in an academic way.
0: Can you also tell us a bit about how your grief research looks like? Um, You mentioned that there wasn't a lot of research when you started getting into this topic. How is that today? Is there a lot of people researching? And how do you approach your research? Like, are you working with people? Or how does that look like?
1: Yeah, so there's still not a lot of people researching the topic. A little bit more than before, which is really nice. I have, I think, around seven studies out now uh, or papers out so what used to be really nothing you have there's a lot more and other people have also put out some articles on the topic but what is always found interesting is the people who have done research on it they picked or they did research on it in a way that wouldn't help anyone you know Uh, like it wasn't answering a question that the bereaved had or when it comes to it they only do one article but they go back to whatever their specialty is like no one really specialized in this type of research and so that's why for me to come in and do it for my master's and phd and be able to do like seven different or six different studies that's huge because most people if they did they did one and then just went back to what they get paid for which is maybe attachment research or you know or something else but you know when it comes to this topic there's always been this really kind of the um, resistance to label yourself as a grief dreams researcher so i think it just needed you know i think people needed time to accept it within the public's eye i know a lot of work was being done out of hospice buffalo and they do end of life dreams and visions which is where i was at the time which is in saint Catharines. that was like 20 minutes down the road over the border in the us and so it's interesting how they really started this research at the end of life and how people can dream of the deceased or have visions of them. And then I'm doing this project, like just over the border. And so I always thought it was very interesting how we're both doing pioneering research in dreams of the deceased. Mine was in after loss, and theirs was at, at you know when someone was dying. And we we're like right beside each other. So I always find it very you know fascinating when things get out and the timing that the culture allows. And I think. It's a great sign that people are open to this, I think, topic a little bit more. And I think it also took time for people to understand how can you research this in a way that doesn't close people off from the topic? Because I think a lot of people, when they think of this topic or when they've been approached on this topic, it was based on like an idea that all these dreams are visitations in a way. So like the spirits coming back to you in your dream. And so... How do you, you can't research that. So I think a lot of people just never wanted to to touch that area. But the way I've done it and the way I've, I looked at it, my research is applicable to those who are spiritual and those who aren't. I kind of like that because whatever you believe, it you still get to keep your beliefs. the The difference would be in maybe how you're seeing the dream, because there's some negative dreams that people will still see as, as a visitation. And so my research really shows that trauma is a big point, a big aspect of these negative dreams, but also unresolved feelings of guilt or blame. And so by just looking at it in a different lens rather than, oh, it's a haunting, quote unquote, maybe has something to do with my loss and something to do with me trying to my mind trying to process the actual grief, because what people need to know when it comes about dreams is that dreams represent our waking life in many ways. And sometimes it's very passive. So the things that you see, uh, you watch before bed, you know, will creep into your imagery. How you feel will also creep in. So if you're sad or depressed, you're going to have more negative dreams. And if you're happy and, you know, joyful, you're going to have more positive dreams. Research has shown this. And so after, after trauma, what you find with research is that, your dreams are even more consistently negative. So after grief, one would expect your dreams to be of of the deceased and just dreams in general should be negative because you're going through such turmoil in your life. And so you can see how those negative dreams could be affected by, by that. And so a lot of people just don't know dream research like and what they found in that. So that helps people to feel, have more understanding of their dreams, which is great, but also to to find a new perspective, to help them within their grieving process. Because one of the worst things I I hear for those people who do believe it's a, a negative visitation is that it really complicates their grief in many ways. And then they're afraid to go to bed. And sleep is so important for the grieving process and to help people heal. And that they start minimizing that because they're so afraid. And then that just perpetuates having those dreams. And so by able to having a new perspective on it, People can really shift out of that and hopefully help themselves heal a little quicker. And you know, like grief is one of those things that it, you, it takes a little, you know, I don't know, there's a timeline on it. But we get better at processing those emotions when it comes up. But it's the goal is just trying to be able to process the emotions. But when you can't sleep, your processing is you know is diminished. And when you have these ideas of maybe where people are in the afterlife, quote unquote, um, or if they're haunting you, that's going to complicate how you can handle life as when you wake up. And so all those things, you know, that the research really helps. Um, But then what's the most fascinating aspect of it all, though, is when you look at these dreams of the deceased, what you find is that most of these dreams are positive. So it's more common to have positive dreams of the deceased and by a lot. And I think there's some things really special about that because these dreams of the deceased are really working differently than regular dreams because we would expect more dreams to be negative. But yet the what the data is showing is that most dreams are going to be positive. And if someone does have a negative dream, they will have a, a positive dream um, sometime after. And so the theory goes there that if someone works on their grief and works on their, like, in the starts processing of processing loss, those negative dreams will then be able to go away and the positive dreams can occur a little more.
0: So the dreams usually start being negative after a loss, after experiencing perhaps some trauma. but once we start to pay more attention to the dreams and they're engaging in the process of working with our own grief, we can shift them into positive dreams. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I think that's a, a, the beauty of it when you can see it like that. But what's interesting though, is even though like, despite a lot of grief being traumatic and a lot of grief, just being so stressful for people, the first dream they have is typically positive. And I think it's it, so something else is going on. And so either, the mind's functioning, or the dreams are functioning in a different way than regular dreams, which is why people may see them as a visitation. Or it could be something more spiritual. And I think that's just an open-ended question for people as they move forward. But there is something special going on. And I think we need to research this more, because whatever it's doing, the goal is to help us. So there's something beautiful going on, because a lot of these dreams are supporting us in our grief. They're comforting us. They're Telling us that you know we're still loved there, and there's no difference in the fact of in the frequency of these dreams for someone who has a spiritual belief and someone who doesn't. And so your belief structure, which is really interesting in the sense that it doesn't really determine, for what I've seen anyone anyway in in uh, North America, doesn't determine you know if you have the dream or not. Your spirituality will base, like us say, or your religion will be based on the. And what it's going to affect would be the imagery more than anything. So, that would be, you know, if let's say you're Christian, you may have uh, God in there, or you may talk about heaven, or you may have angels in the imagery, where someone who isn't spiritual wouldn't have that. And so, it goes with any kind of other religions. It, it's really based on your culture understanding, like some of those details get placed in. But for the most part, what people constantly say is very loving, peaceful. Um, conversation or just seeing the seas in a peaceful place is is one of the most common things you can have and i i think there's something special about that and we can learn a lot from our dreams on how to process our grief
0: do you think it could be important that people learn to interpret those dreams for themselves or is it more about the underlying emotion that is being transported through the dream
1: well it's hard it's you know like when it comes to dream interpretation like no one gets taught how to doing it. It fell out of the culture in many ways. So where are you gonna learn that? You know, like <laughs> so, but you know, like I I looked at my own dreams. There are, you know, people out there that that can help in different ways to process it. But I think that the key is to not dismiss the dream as just whatever, like, but understand the emotions. Because even the dreams without the deceased, if you want to look at dreams in general you can learn a lot about yourself and the world around you and how you're processing loss or just life by just looking at the emotions of the dream. Like, what are you feeling in that dream? And you can match that to your waking life and then the symbolism can help you understand it a little deep, more deeply and sometimes even provide you solutions to your problems that you're trying to understand. But it takes time to understand that. And I, I feel for people who want to do that. But when it comes to these dreams of the deceased, they're pretty straightforward. And a lot of times these dreams don't really need interpretation. Like, you know, like my dream that I had didn't need an interpretation. It did what it was supposed to do and it changed me. And if I was religious, I, would, I could look, have that dream and say, oh, this is a confirmation that he's okay or he's crossed over. If I wasn't religious, then it's just a beautiful moment together that I, I wish I had and I never did. And, I, and in that moment, I had that. And so there's, there could be something beautiful about just that. It's almost like a work of art. It's this mysterious aspect of human nature we just don't know much about yet and the impact it can have on healing people. Like, like it's for me, it's just there's so much richness in understanding how to process grief and how it's possible that a dream in this moment can be so powerful that it changed me and it's changed a lot of people people who are like addicted or people who are going to take their own life, they had these dreams that really that saved them. And they're so powerful and they're so loving. And a lot of people say that the dreams that they, that change them are the ones that have so much love within the imagery. And I think that's fascinating because they feel, they see it as um, a different kind of love than they felt in waking life. It's like something new and whatever that is, there's a, that has a possibility of really, I think, changing people from the inside out. And so I think it really, you know, the the biggest thing is if you have a dream and you don't fully understand it, well, you, that's why I have, you know, my website, creep so you can really look at it and try to find some deeper understanding of what the research is saying to give you some base. But a lot of people around, this is the sad thing. A lot of people around will try to tell you what your dream means or try to pull you on their side of what they believe dreams mean. And I think that's a a bad way to go because that might not be true. And I've heard so many horror stories where people have a dream, they tell someone and that person basically makes them believe that it's something negative in a way. So it could be, so I've heard this from, you know, some pastors that a loving dream of the deceased is actually the devil in disguise. And so you should be afraid of these dreams. You shouldn't value these dreams. And you know, that's sad for me because, you've either, because the point of that dream is trying to help the person and the advice you're giving them is that just because you don't understand it, you're saying it's something negative. And now it's whatever it was trying to do to help you is now you're minimizing those effects. And so, but there's other pastors and Christians who believe it is a visitation and other people who just don't know. And I think it's just better to be in the state of, I don't know what it is, um, but what does it make you feel? and i think from there we people can really help people a lot more and at the end of the day you don't need to know what it means for the full the fullness of it all but you there's enough clues in there that i can think you can guide yourself to some further understanding
0: yeah i think it's such a beautiful gift to experience those dreams and for them to be able to support us in a grieving process but what if for example um a person having is having a hard time to get past those kind of negative dreams, like mm-hmm. experiencing more and more grief dreams that kind of evoke a negative feeling. What would you recommend that person, like how to approach their grieving process um, differently to shift that into something positive?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's a good question where, you know, people do have these negative dreams and it's not even sometimes the dream isn't even negative. It's the person's perspective on the dream. That's the issue, is the distressing part. Because, as I said, like some people can have positive dreams and be very distressed afterwards. So, there's some cultures who feel that, a, like, let's say Buddhist culture, um, there's some people who believe that if you have a dream after two years, it's a sign that the soul hasn't reincarnated. An unreincarnated soul is someone that can actually harm you physically and cause you illness. And so if you're having dreams after the two years, people get scared, even though the deceased is just saying they love them. And so it's really trying to understand, you know, first what the dream is and does it match, like, is it a negative dream that the person's like dying again, uh, or they're chasing them, or they're trying to you know, um, drag them to the afterlife, something like that. Or is it a positive dream that they're just interpreting negative? And so once you get an understanding of that, you can really determine how to talk to the person. But if it's a very, let's say, a negative dream like many are that people have that causes a the distress, there's two things that you can do. So the first one is by understanding that your grief in waking life is causing these dreams. Well, if you work on your grief, well, the dreams will change, right? It just. But sometimes the grief takes a while to change. So you know, you could see a counselor, which I always recommend if you know people are working through their grief, and but that takes time. And, but there is another way to also help your, your dreams change, and it's called dream rescripting. So what's interesting is that you can actually change your dreams, and by changing your dreams, you can also can actually impact your grief in a positive way, which I think is fascinating. So it's like it goes both ways. So what you people can do is they can rescript their dream. And so this is a common technique for uh, nightmares, with, and it works for children of all ages and, or people of all ages. And so it's very, it's very simple. So you take your dream, whatever it was, and you change it. So it's comforting. So you either you can bring in a character to help you throughout the dream, you can change the dream in some way, or you can change the ending. So it's something more positive. And so with that, you then rehearse that dream in your mind before bed. And what's interesting is that science has shown that your negative dreams will decrease if not stop but also if you do have that dream your distress of that dream won't be as high either and so i you know i've heard many people do this and sometimes you know they just rather than they they do it and they the dream stop and it's just amazing and it's it's like magic and it's <laughs> it was, but it's like there's something going on there we don't fully understand you know exactly why it helps so much but it it does and that's an easy way to change that but at the end of the day you want to understand why it's going on because as much as you change it you you're not changing your like if you miss the if, if like this, let's say the dream is basically trying to tell you that you have unresolved feelings of guilt you may do the exercise and then the dream stopped but you still have these unresolved feelings of guilt and that's going to come out sideways in many ways and then it'd be like, you know, and then it'd be too late. So these dreams, I always try to tell people, they're actually like your best friend. They're trying to tell you something. For the most part, we don't know. Like We avoid our emotions and we avoid grief so often because we want to feel further than we are rather than just sitting with who we are and that grief comes in certain ways. And these dreams can really tell us where we truly are, not where we think we are. And so by just changing your perspective on how you see dreams, it can really help you give you... To reduce the distress of the dream and try to use it as a tool in your grief, rather than something that hinders your grief.
0: I would like to go a bit into the cultural aspect of grief dreams that you just mentioned. Are the differences in dreams in different parts of the world something that you're researching?
1: I'm not personally researching that, but I hear the stories all the time. So, like, I have the Grief Dreams podcast, which I have you know, two over 200 guests on there. And they come from all different cultures. And it's it's very interesting to hear the stories. But you, you get a very similar way of understanding that people, there's going to be people within a culture or religion who view these dreams as a good thing. There's going to be people who view these dreams as a bad thing. And there's going to be people in the middle. And it doesn't matter which culture I've uh, or religion that I've talked to someone in. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I think there's because I think a lot of people just don't know the vastness of the topic. And so that's what I'm saying. Like there's going to be people who believe and who will promote that these dreams are visitations. But then what about those negative dreams that people have? How do you then talk about that? And a lot of people just don't know. And they put it all into one bucket, realizing that, no, like there's actually multiple buckets you can put this stuff in. And the more you know about dream research, the easier it is to understand which dreams should go in which bucket so it's really about using discernment which is what the research is really i think showcasing and helps in any religion is how do you how do you use discernment when approaching these dreams to benefit the bereaved
0: Mm, very interesting it highlights again how important your work around the research itself and the process of sharing more about it and giving voice to people's experiences. Can you tell us about uh, which kind of grief dreams there are and how are grief dreams different to our usual dreams?
1: Okay, so I guess, well, grief dreams is like an overall like umbrella term. So in there, there's like these three types of dreams after loss. We could talk about the dreams people have before they know someone's died. I'm not sure how much you want to go into that. But, but um, there's dreams after loss, which is so the one is people can have dreams that reflect their waking life. So this could be you run by a mountain and then the mountain collapses on you and you wake up and it can just be reflective of the heaviness of the world in your waking life. And then there's these dreams where the deceased isn't present at all, but someone mentions them in some way. And so this would be sometimes God or an angel will comment that they're okay or something like that. Or another character will mention them in some way. Or you may go to the hospital where they died at or you go somewhere that's memorable to them, but then there's the last dreams the dreams that have deceased actually in the imagery, and that's what most of my research has been on and that's what most people want to talk about because they they're very different than most other dreams and I think that is as I sort of said the the beauty of the the topic how they're more loving than dreams people mostly have. most people have negative dreams in general, and when they do have very positive dreams, they're nothing like this like there's something unique in the sense of how real these dreams feel to people, spiritual or not, like they're still like, like this is the common thing is that they're real. These positive dreams can be very loving. And so this, this peacefulness and joy within the imagery that they don't ever really feel in other dreams. And I think that's the, the key I think to the story of maybe how these dreams were really so helpful as I was talking because of the love, and I always wonder like if <laughs> if you can have these moments of love in the dream that help you regulate your emotions, to help you process things a little differently, why aren't we having this all the time? Like we're struggling constantly every day. But yet a lot of times it's only after a death happens that we'll have one of these, you know, very powerful dreams. And so it's still there's a lot of mystery when it comes to that. But the negative dreams are very similar to what you'd have after trauma of other types of loss losses so let's say a hurricane or your house goes or you know um, any other traumas out there you know have been lost you're going to have a lot of negative dreams so that's why it, so some of the dreams are very similar to what you would expect and there's these this aspect of these positive dreams that are actually very different and so you got to put it in a different kind of bucket when it comes to discernment because they're acting differently
0: You know, I just recently read a quote saying grief is unexpressed love. So it is really fascinating to me how the death of someone that was close to us brings up these intense experiences of love within times where we probably feel we cannot express this love for that person anymore in our waking life. And you just mentioned dreams that people can have before their loved one actually dies. Um, I think this can sound very intangible. So what kind of research is happening in that area?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. So this is interesting. So you can have, you know, if someone is having is dying and you're with them, you can have anticipatory grief dreams. So these are dreams where sometimes the deceased is present in the imagery, but it's really reflecting the grief that you're trying to process that they're going to die soon. But then on top of that, you have these other dreams that have the deceased present in the imagery. And there's one where you basically are—it's almost called pre—it's precognitive, where people can dream of this. They can dream about the deceased, and they'll, the deceased is saying goodbye. Um, something you'd see after they know the person's dead. But so these, the person doesn't know they're dead yet, and um, they could have this sort of this—I this, this, don't know, imagery that sort of indicates that they're not going to be living long kind of thing and lo and behold in a couple days or something that the person you know does die which is really fascinating and then there's these other dreams like those those precog dreams aren't really rare but like i have seen them and people have commented on them and they're in a lot of spiritual books like precognitive dreams so it just makes you sit in the mystery of life i don't understand how it exists but you know people say this Um, but the other thing that's a little bit more common is that people will have these dreams of the deceased, let's say, saying goodbye. And when they wake up, they'll get a phone call. Of the person died in the night. And so that is, I think I could probably understand that a little bit more than, you know, the precog dreams. Just because, you know, like there's sometimes a person, you know, knows a person's uh, dying and they'll have that dream and they wake up. Other times they don't even know the person's dying or ill and they'll have that type of dream and wake up and then they'll get a call or they call them to see how they're doing and they realize the person has died and so you know with that it really shows me that there's probably a link that people have with one another that they just we don't really know scientifically that crosses time and so you I can see this I hear these stories with moms and parents um, where they feel something's wrong with the child until they'll call and then something is wrong, you know. Like, like there's like they call like a motherly instinct. Well, what happens if we all have that with people we love, and we just don't really understand that or don't really know it? And so we'll sometimes call it intuition, and we'll, we'll call. Well, what happens? If there's like there's a chord or something that like a communication in some way that is connected with us. And then so that could under like explain that in some way. Or for those people who are spiritual, it could just be the soul saying goodbye, you know, before you even know. Either way, both those answers are very mysterious, and you know, we, there's there's more to learn. But the first thing is to understand that they do exist, and I hear about them, you know, constantly. I think it's interesting, and that's all I can say. Like when if someone's has questions on it, you know, I sit with the question. But overall, so those are those are the things that you could have prior to knowing that the uh, the grief dreams prior to knowing that the person's dead.
0: Mm. I think it's super interesting that you give space to both sides, like the scientific aspect, but also like the spiritual aspect. And I really do believe that, like the souls are connected. For me, it was I I I don't know if I would call it um, a precognitive dream, but um, for me, it was like this. Like when before my sister died, she had cancer, and she was kind of like in doing good in her journey of healing that's what we thought but in the end it all went um very quick and I remember I was at my other sister's place and I slept at her place because I I didn't want to sleep in my my own house so when I woke up I had this dream that um it was very vivid like It was my sister laying in a bed and my mom and my other sister and me standing around her. And suddenly all these other people appeared that I kind of interpreted as our like ancestors. And we Mm. all were standing around the, the bed of my sister. And yeah, we were all sending her energy. And it was very beautiful, but it also was connected with a feeling of yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt that death was very close. But Mm. at the time, like, it wasn't really like, um, we knew that she's gonna die. But yeah, after I woke up with that dream, I think it was a few minutes after that, um, the doctors called me from the hospital that we have to come because um, actually, our sister is now in like a dying process, and we should come to say goodbye to her. So that was like, a really um, profound experience for me because yeah, it felt like all the ancestors coming to, mm. yeah, to say goodbye to her or to support her in transitioning to the other side, you know?
1: Well, you're not the only one who's had something like that. And I think, you know, you see these across cultures, which is really beautiful that this is a human experience. There's something that we just don't know much about one of it, is, but it's happened to all humans and all races. And for you to have that, I think it's going to be a very healing thing to help you prepare in a way for the, of her death. And I think a lot of people who, you know, do have these types of dreams, it's just using discernment because some people like say, like would have a dream, like yours was like you knew she was dying. So it could be precog, but also could be just um, allowing yourself to also let go in a way and, and to heal as not only she is trying to process her her eventual death but you are also trying to process her eventual death you know like there's there's if she is dying you would also know in some form I would think um, if you're you know like so it's like it would also be calming for you too to have that experience and um, but some people have these precog dreams where let's say your sister wasn't didn't have cancer but you had that dream and then she died like the next day some people would think that they could have stopped it and so they blame themselves as if they could have and so that dream that I think could have been used for to sit in the mystery and to just understand that it was to help prepare you for the eventual death they used it as a tool to criticize themselves and put them in a worse situation and I always like to tell those individuals, there's, you know, like if, if <laughs> dreams can say a lot of things and they it can, they can speak in many ways. And if you're supposed to change something that was hap- whether was going to happen, they could have gave it, it could have gave a clearer message on what to do. <laughs> and like, it's not like it's like, so then you sit in the thing It's like, it wasn't, you were never meant to save the person. And so you sit with that knowledge, like, oh, okay, then what was this all for? And you just have a conversation with the individual, but a lot of it is about just changing perspectives on an event. So you can use it as a tool to help you heal and to sit in the mystery of life as you move forward. And that dream definitely makes you sit in the mystery and it can be very comforting. As you said, to be able to have that, to see the ancestors around and, and how it seems like you took in a very spiritual way. And that's amazing because there's a lot when someone's dying, you feel helpless in many ways, but in that moment you felt that you were helping. And that's a beautiful quality to take with you as in when you meet your sister or you think about your sister that, oh, maybe I am doing something, you know, like it's not just, you know, I'm sitting waiting. It's like, no, there's something else going on, even though I can't maybe see it myself.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful to also talk about this in a spiritual way, because sometimes I feel like when I talk about those kind of experiences people are kind of like "Ah, what is going on there why is she interpreting it that way but yeah for me from my perspective I can really say that this helped me in kind of way to yeah to prepare for her death because before that dream and before the call of the doctor we really thought that she's just in hospital and she's gonna come out again you know and Mm. so yeah it was really a preparation like on a mental level and emotional level for what's going to happen and yeah and that's
1: the that's the beauty of these dreams that they function on so many different levels like they're and i think that's why i love listening to them in many ways because you could look at it and see one thing in a certain moment and then you look back and you're like oh wait like you could also see it this way so there's different layers based on where you are in your grief journey and how you see the world on how you see the dream in your life. And I'm glad it's helping you, but you're right. A lot of people have a have a hard time providing a safe space for people to share these dreams because they have their judgments and they have their own uh, issues and perspectives on life that it kind of contradicts. And so I think that's why talking about the subject is so important. So people feel that these dreams are actually very normal. Like we even talk about, so when it comes to the frequency of these dreams, what I found after, spells a loss or partner loss, 86% of people within the first year or two had at least one dream of the deceased partner. That's, you know, if you think about it, 10% of the population doesn't remember their dreams. So when you look at that, most people, you know, had a dream of the deceased that normally remembers dreams. And I think that's amazing. And then after pet loss, it was 78% after within six months. And then after a miscarriage, it was 57% had a dream of the deceased child, which I think is fascinating because they haven't seen the child, but they're having dreams of the baby in different ages and stuff. It's very interesting. And then children will have dreams of the deceased. And one study, not mine, another study, it was 55% after a parent died had at least one dream of the deceased. So like these, it's a very common thing in grief, but yet because people don't talk about it, people think it's rare. And so they make up these weird things, even though most people have had these dreams in some form and the research just almost gives it validity, validity that it exists and that we should take it seriously and that most people have. So, you know, it's sad that people don't, but I think that's why we're in a changing time. And I think that's why it's important for the research to come out now is that we can provide a space for people to just sit with them and listen to their concerns of the dream or listen to how it helped them. I think that's really what it is is, is it's just like the more when I talk about these dreams, I'm really just talking about how do we provide a safe space for people to share not only these dreams, but all everything in life. We shouldn't judge people for the things that they that they do or that have happened to them. Just try to understand, you know, how it can be beneficial in their life or because I think so many people want to judge and so so many people hide who they are about in 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 this world. And so when you can provide a safe space for someone, they start telling you the truth of things that they're experiencing, things they're thinking about. And really just voicing that can be so healing and therapeutic. But a lot of people hide that in, and then we have to pay for a counselor to give us a space like that. But everyone can provide that space. But yet we just don't. And so I think hopefully it shifts not only the conversation of dreams, but we can also shift how we just approach people in waking day life.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because it's it's actually something that connects us all, and sooner or later we are all confronted with death, with the death of a loved one. And yeah, do you think that because you mentioned that eighty six percent of the people experience grief dreams, do you think that this number could even be higher? But since people just don't remember, it's it's like eighty six percent. But do you think like actually everyone experiences those kind of dreams?
1: You know what's interesting? So I looked at, I think it goes with the conversation of some people who don't have dreams and, and why is that? And so I looked at that and I did multiple studies to um, replicate the research. And what we found was that, you know, when it comes to who dreams of the deceased, people who actually have a higher dream recall are the ones that are remembering these dreams more often. And so what that is saying is that those people who um, that, you know, so what it's saying is that, you know, these dreams tend to be um, a function of remembering your dreams in general. So people that aren't remembering their dreams more often are probably having these dreams, but they're just not remembering it. And so it seems to me that remembering your dreams in general, you're just catching these dreams more often. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are having dreams of the sea, so they're just not remembering then that's the interesting thing in my mind is like, are those dreams still impacting people, even if they don't remember them?
0: Hmm. Interesting question. Personally, I would think they must have an impact. I guess this processing just happens on a very deep level within our subconscious mind. Do you think that people who don't remember the dreams so often don't have maybe so much trauma to process?
1: no i don't think so because i think well i guess all the people i sampled were pretty early on in their grieving process but when you look at grief as a variable that didn't predict dreaming of deceased it predicted dreaming in general more often but that's because when we're in deep grief we can have more dreams in many different ways and that can be because you know grief affects our sleep and we can wake up more often and stuff like that so but Overall, I don't, you know, I don't really think so. Um, They, I have heard, I think maybe I also have heard people who never had a dream of one person, but have dreamt of other people. So their dream recall is consistent amongst their life, right? But it's who they remember dreams of is different. And I think that's very interesting. And I remember this person who came on my podcast actually talked about how, she had a dream of everyone else except her mother and then when talking about it you we realized or just you know just by talking about it, it came out that she's never actually visited her mother's gravesite. and when we asked why it was just because she felt that like if she did it would be it'd make it real and so it was the denial of death so yeah you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to remember a dream even if you did have it because it'd be too um because you're denying the death even happened in a way and so for her, what happened was when she went to the gravesite for the first time after, I think it was like 30 years or something, um, soon after she had a dream of her mother that died in a very positive dream. And so like to me, it says like there is probably some mechanism that we have that if we don't want a dream, we may not actually get it in in some way because of the psychological aspects. Just like someone, I think if someone has a spiritual belief that, Let's say after two years if you have a dream um it's a negative thing you may have dreams of the deceased but your mind won't remember them because of your psychological belief that if you have them it's a sign that they're distressed so i think you know like there's there's a lot of things that we still need to know about this topic but i think these dreams and in general i think occur more often but it's the remembering like when does the mind remember and the timing of that is i think you know a lot more research needs to be looked at, but at least we can sort of say this is a question that we, we could answer moving forward.
0: So do you think it's also important to pay attention like on outside factors, like I don't know at which time you start dreaming again, for example, maybe it is connected to to an upcoming death anniversary or something that you connect to the to the deceased person?
1: Yeah, so I actually did research on that too. So, like, when, like, what, like, uh, I looked at someone's dream diary after her father died of cancer. And I sort of wanted to sort of see when those dreams occurred. And her dreams of her father occurred in months that were most meaningful to her. So, that'd be the death anniversary, be his, the month of his birthday, um, and like, and the, over the holiday. And so it's very interesting. So these dreams can actually, you may need that, you know, death anniversary for, to remember that type of dream um, for whatever reason. And so it's very, yeah, it's like, I think the timing and the day is all relevant. And so that's why I say there's a lot of different layers to a dream based on how you're looking at it and when it happens. There's a lot that we can learn. And what I want to say too is what's interesting about these dreams that you don't get with other dreams is that. You know, we talk about how these dreams are so great for grief after a death. But what happens when you start to heal? I think this is a very interesting question, because if, if the dreams are just meant for your grief, they should stop after someone, let's say, is adapting to their loss well. But what happens is that these dreams don't stop. They transform and they change. And so now people will start having these dreams when they have other distressing moments in their life. So let's say the pandemic is one of them, right, that people have had. A lot of people have had a lot of dreams of the deceased, reassuring them and comforting them during the pandemic. Or if you're having a breakup, the deceased come and reassure you that you're going to be okay. So it's not about your the death anymore. Now it's about helping you through very difficult times that you're going through. And then at end of life, that's what we talked about a little bit, but these dreams help people transition from life to death or from you know, help people let go of the body is the best way to put it. And so these dreams don't go away. They actually come back at very monumental moments of your life to help you in different ways that are challenging. And I think that is very unique and I don't fully understand it. But I know it's very beautiful to look at because there's something going on that's helping us in a way that research hasn't really looked at. And so when we talk about people being resilient, we forget that people are having these experiences that are actually helping them become resilient
0: it nearly seems to me like the grief dreams are kind of like a life companion or an inner force that helps us to work through things. Or again, in this perspective, it seems reasonable to me that it could be a visitation and the deceased one is kind of guiding us. What is your personal point of view? Do you think that grief dreams could be or they are visitations?
1: (laughs) Do I believe they are visitations? That's a good question. I have no idea. You know and I I like sitting in the unknown of it all. And I don't think you need to. It's whatever the person believes. Like I don't need I don't need you to believe anything other than what you need to believe. And I can work with you in whatever that is. And you know, my belief is is more for me, but I can tell you when I had that dream of my dad, I didn't wake up saying, "Oh my god, that was a visitation." I sat there saying, "How am I feeling like this? This doesn't make any sense." I was so depressed prior and then i had this dream and like for me it's always about the function i'm like i didn't ask for it but it's here and it happened but i'm changed and so that is the mystery and so i look at for me personally i look at what is similar among the dreams that change people you know spiritual or not like they're everyone's getting changed by these dreams in one way or another and you look at what is the aspect and it's this feeling of love and so for me it's not about are these dreams visitations? For me, it's more about how are these dreams conveying a love so powerful that changes people? And and so that's a different question because everyone can understand that question because everyone's trying to love who they are. And how we love, I think we can learn a lot from these dreams on what love truly is. And so for me, I learn a lot about what's possible, I think I'd say for the human soul or the, the human experience when it comes to love through these dreams it's almost like a beacon or a lighthouse on how far i am to that powerful state because if you have it that state in your dreams why can't you have it in waking life and so i always feel that you could but we have so much anxiety so much worry so much fear so much attachment that it clouds out all of that stuff so you can't really feel it and so for me it's like well that's the goal like for me, the goal is not, is, not to, is there an afterlife? The goal is like, can I love myself? Because if there's an afterlife, great. If I die, there's going to be an afterlife. Just like, like, if there's not, there's not. So like my goal is like, what can I actually do now with this information? So it's like, oh, like, can I learn to love myself more? Can I get closer to that experience I had with my dad in waking life? And so that's what I've been doing. And it's very interesting on how love changes as you change your concept of love and how you feel. Because you know, for me, it's just always being aware that what we experience, what we feel is only based on our past experiences. But when we start realizing that there's a different feeling out there, the more we work on who we are, and the more we let go of past models and how people have showed us how the world is, and we start you know, just being in this place of mystery, you start seeing the world differently and you start feeling and experiencing the world differently. And so, you know, for me is, you know, it's just, I love love this quote that love is, love is the strongest medicine and these dreams really showcase that. So that's the, the beauty of these dreams that I see because it crosses all religions. Like doesn't need, like, that's why anyone who approaches a topic from that angle, everyone wins. Those who aren't spiritual knows who are, can still utilize that because if it's a visitation well, it's so loving. So how can I continue that? without the dream how can i still have a loving experience in waking life and then people who aren't spiritual they can still understand the love because they have love for people in waking life and had you know they have love for the person who died so how can I, I can continue that love to a greater extent in waking life and so you start seeing that and you start seeing like in and for me as a, as a scientist is how does love change us because you see it over and over again in these dreams how love is actually Seems to be changing physiologically, and psychologically, how we are processing grief, and so I think that in itself is also another question a lot of people can go at is how would how was being in that experience of love transformative for the for the body but also for the mind?
0: Hmm. Wow. I really like this idea of reflecting how we can bring the love within these dreams into a waking life. Um, to me, it feels like the dreams kind of open up this potential for us how we can um how we are able to experience love it's like we are being gifted with a deeper awareness of what is possible so we can allow ourselves this experience beyond our dreams so could these dreams also be an inspiration to look where you can love yourself more in the process of grief
1: oh yeah you know like one of the things that people don't talk about much when it comes to grief is the impact it has on the way you view yourself. And most people like who have had a death of, it could be a loved one, it could be a, say, like a human or even a pet. What's interesting is those people that we love, one of the things that they always gave us was a sense that we were loved and when they die that's one less person available to tell us that we're lovable that we matter and so we're left with basically trying to cope with the world alone more alone than ever before and so that's a very difficult position for a lot of people to be in because i think they started to realize that you know maybe i don't like I, you start realizing that there's so much more work to be done for yourself because those people that were loving us externally, we didn't realize how much we needed that until they die. And then you're looking in the mirror and you're like, "Wait a second, I need them. I need them for support." And it's not a bad thing. It's just an awareness of where we are, and we kind of take it for granted on how impactful those people are to how we view ourselves. And there's, a, and you know, like that's what I say. Like one of the, the hardest journeys in life is to love who you are. And how do you get there? And I think that's when, you know, it's a goal I've been on for probably 15 years, 16 years now. And these dreams help me a lot with understanding that. And there's actually a dream actually I have here that can actually showcase that. Um, And these dreams really try to actually help people with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're so powerful in these, uh, in the grief experiences, because not only are people feeling the love, but the deceased is constantly telling people that, they're still loved. And when you look at that from a psychological perspective, because they could say anything, but why are they still saying that they love them? And it must be because you need to hear it, right? In one way or another. And so that's how I really understand that. Oh, this is grief is really about love and loving the self. And like when someone dies, it, we're longing that anyway. So Serena Dyer, she is the daughter of Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, And so she had a lot of dreams of him, but she had this dream of her um, her stepson who died. And she took, he died from an accidental overdose, but she blamed herself for his death in many ways because she felt that she could have been nicer to him. And so she was dealing with this, this guilt. Anyway, so she had this dream that completely changed her. And so the stepson was Mason. So in the dream, Mason told her to hold it. Hold her hands and or hold his hands and his energy was so joyful and funny he then got very serious and told her that she needed to stop with the guilt he told her that guilt was soul sabotaging and pointless he said that everything in his life was accumulation of choices he made and that it was his correct path he told her that all of our lives are up to us and the decisions we make most importantly he told her that when we die we go energetically to the same level where we lived at. He explained that our lives are like classrooms, and when we die, we continue with those very lessons. Whatever vibration you spent your life living at, you start there on the other side. He then told her to be careful with thoughts she was choosing and the decisions she was making that were self-harming, because as he explained, the purpose of living is to love, and it must start with the self. He then laughed and then released, and she woke up. And so from there, you can really see how the message of the dream was about you need to start taking care of yourself. You have to watch what you're thinking and you got to love yourself. Um, and, you know, like, yes, there's some other stuff about like the afterlife and spirituality and stuff, but she was spiritual. So I, I can understand like why that's in there. and she probably questions about it. But that love part, that's the one that's applicable to anyone. And I think that's beautiful to showcase. And that's what these dreams do, right? Like They can really highlight different aspects of ourselves so we can feel that love moving forward.
0: Hmm. I just closed my eyes when you were reading. Thank you for sharing this. It's a very powerful and, in my eyes, a super clear message. If someone uh, would really like to have a similar experience like this within their dreams, like there is a longing to have an encounter with the deceased, Is there kind of a way to induce grief dreams?
1: (laughs) Well, I wish there was. I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) Um, There are different things. So like what's interesting is a lot of people, if you have other loved ones and say you're not dreaming of them, other people around you who knew them or loved them would probably have had a dream because they're very common, right? So you could utilize other people's dreams as your own in many ways. Um, other other things that you could do is so we know that dream recall is an important aspect of these dreams so if you keep a dream diary or you start talking about these dreams and valuing them what research has shown is that you're actually will increase your dream recall rate so it's not it's not like permanent and i've tried this myself so i had i think about three dreams a week the average is one or two and then i started writing my dreams down and then within a couple months I was having about three dreams a a night that I was remembering. And so like, it's very fluid. And so when you value these dreams, you're basically telling yourself, I actually want to remember these now. And our culture is, you know, devalues dreams so much. So a lot of people just don't care about them or just don't understand the importance of them. So the mind that says like, why remember it? (laughs) There's nothing there. Um, So that's, that's one thing you can do. The other thing too is called dream dream incubation. And what's interesting with this is that it's very straightforward and you concoct a dream that you kind of want to have. And so on my uh, website, I actually have a dream builder worksheet. And what you can do with that is just write it write down and use the prompts to write down a dream you'd want to have with the deceased. And then what you can do is think about that dream and before bed. And by doing that, you can heighten your, the probability of probably having a similar dream. And so I haven't done it with dreams deceased yet, but um, there's been other research on dream incubation, not with the deceased, but with other things like problem solving that has shown to be beneficial. And other people who have done this have told me that they have had a dream of the deceased, but it was it was not the dream that they concocted. It was something else, which I think is interesting. But the deceased was present. And so these are just different things. And I think by doing that and just thinking about the dream, I think you're telling yourself that if you do have a dream of the deceased, you want to remember it is another big part of that exercise, I think. But even like I even found that people who just do the exercise, it's very therapeutic in many ways. And if you have a loved one all like that, another loved one that's alive, you can ask them to do it and then compare notes and to really talk about these dreams because what people want is vastly different from one another, even though it's the same person that, They've lost in, in a way. So we all have different memories, different experiences, and we all have different longings for what that imagery would look like. So, yeah, those are the biggest things I can sort of uh, tell people, and just be patient. That's the biggest thing. It's like it's not going to come today, but if you're if you're dreaming and you're open to having a dream, you know, sooner or later, a dream will pop up. But it's about the timing.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So is, there, is it also something that you do? Um, is it like an offering of you to guide people through those kind of processes? Or can you tell us a little bit about your offerings?
1: Yes, I do have uh, I do one-on-one consulting. And so if someone is having issues with their dream, or they want to talk about the subject, I'm always open to doing that. You can find the, the links on my website. But also if people want to know more about the topic itself, I have an online workshop that people I think it's like what, eight hours. I think it's like eight hours, um, that just talks about the subject in more detail. But yeah, all that sort of stuff is you're saying, like, I want to learn more. I want to have these. I want to know more about this stuff. And, you know, yeah, so the, if there's places now people can go, which is great. And that's all I really want to offer someone is that if someone is having issues, there is someone they can actually talk to. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I will link to all of your resources. I think it's a very important topic. And I actually, I don't know many people that work with those kind of topics like around my, uh, where I live, like usually in Europe.
1: Mm. So
0: I think it's really important also to make those kind of things more accessible and yeah, to talk more about it and inspire people to to also talk with friends or family about those kind of things.
1: Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. And to take, you know, hopefully they provide a, a positive space, but it's always, you know, some people, I've heard so many times that, a lot of people just don't share their experiences because they don't want to feel judged by the families or other people. So, you know, I have a feel for people because as much as it's an important topic, people aren't just, um, people aren't trained in how to sort of hold the safe space for people. So that's why, you know, like I said, like just, you know, I think listening to this will help comfort people in many ways, which is, I think, a really beautiful aspect of just having a podcast, which is what you're doing, just to help people through the, the journey of life.
0: Thank you so, so much for taking the time. There are so many more questions around the topic. So if people listening feel the same, please visit the Grief Dreams podcast and listen to other people's experience with grief dreams. Thank you for coming to the show and yeah, in general for sharing your work and your
1: knowledge. Thank you for having me.